It's Tuesday, September the 28th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, America's finances deadlocked and another North Korean launch. First, the world in brief. America's Senate failed to fund the federal government and suspend the, quote, debt ceiling, fiscal deadlines that could provoke a government shutdown as soon as Thursday and possibly a sovereign default. 60 of the evenly split chamber's 100 votes would be needed to square the circle. Republican senators withheld their assent in order to thwart Joe Biden's multi-trillion dollar spending bills. The president's fellow Democrats remain divided about the content of that package, though united in their intent to keep the government solvent. North Korea fired another projectile into the sea off its eastern coast, according to South Korean military officials. Japan said it looked like a ballistic missile. Speaking shortly after the launch, North Korea's ambassador to the United Nations defended his regime's right to test defensive weapons in the face of hostility from America and South Korea. Hospitals in New York State began suspending and sacking unvaccinated staff as a court-approved deadline for healthcare workers to be inoculated against COVID-19 passed. Of New York's 450,000 hospital employees, 16% are not fully vaccinated, according to the state's governor. One hospital has paused delivering babies because so many workers have resigned in protest. Others postponed elective operations. Germany's Greens and the Free Democrats, two parties set to play kingmakers in any coalition to emerge after the country's federal election, said they would hold talks before meeting the two bigger parties vying for their support to form a government. Both the left-leaning SPD and centre-right CDU stand in need of two smaller parties. The Greens and Free Democrats are divided on taxes and renewable energy and must decide whether they can work together. Two of America's regional central bank presidents said they would step down amid crisis that their trading in stocks and other securities last year raised a conflict of interest. Eric Rosengren of the Boston Federal Reserve and Robert Kaplan, his counterpart in Dallas, maintained they had complied with ethics rules and earlier agreed to divest the holdings. The Fed is reviewing rules governing officials' financial activity. Instagram, a social media platform owned by Facebook, paused development of a version aimed at children aged 13 and under. The ad-free, quote, kids app, would let parents supervise their children's browsing. Instagram said it would address the problem of preteen users misrepresenting their age to make accounts. But critics argued it would fuel unhealthy online habits among youngsters. Polestar, a Swedish electric vehicle maker, said it would go public via a special purchase acquisition company. The SPAC deal, which values Polestar at $20 billion, is backed by Alec Gores, a billionaire, and Guggenheim Partners, an investment bank. Separately, Evergrande, a Chinese property company with a teetering tower of debt, suffered another blow. 
Its electric car division's share price tumbled after it cancelled a secondary listing in Shanghai. Fact of the day. 62%. The share of Japanese polled in 2018 that believe elections do not change things. And correction. Saturday's edition of Espresso mistakenly said that Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, lived in the 15th century, when he in fact lived in the 1500s. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. Not single spies, but in battalions. America's debt limit. This week, legislation crucial to the Biden administration, the future of the federal government and, perhaps, the stability of the global financial system will wend its torturous way through America's legislative process. On Thursday, the House of Representatives will vote on part of Joe Biden's legacy-defining domestic agenda. But before that, a measure House Democrats have already passed to lift America's debt limit in order to fund the government until early December has failed in the Senate. The Republicans say they are willing to agree on temporary funding to avert a government shutdown that would otherwise begin on Thursday. But they want Democrats to remove the debt limit increase from the bill and add it to their domestic spending agenda using reconciliation, a manoeuvre that allows bills to pass without a simple majority and hence no Republican votes. But that may take a couple of weeks, running perilously close to the point at which Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, has warned that America will be unable to meet its financial obligations, risking a calamitous default. Polarization Paradox America's Political Divisions Ask commentators what the biggest trend in American politics is, and many will identify the growing problem of polarization within the electorate. But several papers presented this week at the American Political Science Association's annual meeting argue that narrative is too simple. While polarization has worsened in some ways, in others it has remained steady. Social polarization, characterized by a strong association between an individual's identity and the political party they favor, has increased steadily over the past three decades. That has contributed to a tribal divide between Democrat and Republican voters. But the split in Americans' policy preferences has not grown. The polarization of their views on abortion or government spending shows no clear increase since the 1980s. Yet despite agreeing on issues of substance as much as they did in the past, Americans dislike each other more and more. That might reflect how identity politics, social media, and partisan TV news have squeezed reasoned debate. Rubber stamping out decadence. North Korea's parliament. The Supreme People's Assembly, North Korea's rubber stamp legislature, convenes for one of its rare parliamentary sessions on Tuesday. Adjustments to the National Economic Plan and to regional development policies are on the agenda. Kim Jong-un, the country's dictator, has admitted that the COVID-19 pandemic caused severe hardship. 
delegates are also expected to pass laws on education that will tighten control over young people. Mr Kim has taken a particularly keen interest in policing the behaviour of North Korean youth of late, issuing stern warnings about the anti-socialist tendencies that manifest in their hairstyles and clothes, as well as the slang they have adopted from South Korea. It is a losing battle. Such influences cannot now be expunged. But Mr Kim seems determined that youngsters should not enjoy them in public, where they might pass bad habits onto their peers for as long as he can. Crisis? What crisis? Britain's fuel shortage. Last weekend, Britain basked in unseasonably sunny weather. But many Britons had little time to enjoy it. Drivers queued at petrol stations for hours in a panic-buying spree. By the end of Sunday, BP, an oil firm, said 30% of its 1,200 filling stations had run out of supplies. Grant Shapps, the transport secretary, claimed this was a, quote, manufactured problem. A leak to the media by an unnamed haulage industry association about delivery problems at a few stations had triggered the panic, he said. But hauliers blame Brexit for exacerbating an existing shortage of trained lorry drivers, whose numbers have fallen by nearly a quarter over the past 12 months. The government plans to issue 5,000 short-term visas for foreign drivers and has the army on standby to help make deliveries. For now, Mr Shapps has advised anxious Britons to, quote, be sensible. His plea may do little to stop the panic at the pumps. Surgical Satire Wale Shoyinka's New Novel Wale Shoyinka's latest novel comes almost half a century after his last. The first black recipient of the Nobel Prize in Literature, he will publish Chronicles from the Land of the Happiest People on Earth on Tuesday. The novel follows Kagari Menka, a surgeon who works at a hospital where someone is snatching and selling human body parts. In a searing critique of corruption in Nigeria, it turns out that the ruling class covertly sacrifices the stolen limbs in grotesque rituals. Mr Shoyinka's work has often commented on the ills of his homeland. Much of his previous writing addresses similar issues. And he has taken matters into his own hands in the past. In 1965, he held up a radio station and forced it to denounce fraud at gunpoint. His actions may once have got him into trouble, but now he is too revered for politicians to touch. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Confucius. To study and not think is a waste. To think and not study is dangerous. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. 
just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.